0: It is time for our midday program here on KRVN. Good morning to you. It is a Thursday. Gang's all here. Scott in here with you, along with Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan and Clay Patton. Is uh, We got a full house today. Uh, it's, uh, I guess, better than a small straight. I don't know. A yeah, full house t- is better than a small straight. Beats, beats two, two pair. pair. Oh, see, there we that's go. that's how
1: we did that. Clay's yeah. here. Or you could call us four of a kind and next to a royal flush, you're doing pretty Good
0: pretty good that is pretty good i don't ever get that hand so unless there's like five wild cards and i can pull that yeah, out yeah okay yeah, that's okay, okay.
1: That's so we're, we're playing child's games yeah now, it really is
0: that's right that's how it works all right so clay's here that's clay's voice uh clay what do you got for us today? let's
1: have a quick rundown of the farm team today of course we start at 1219 alex voychowski talking the engler journey and today she is talking with professor Dave lamb and his role in the engler program getting those next generation of entrepreneurs started off inspiring them Quite the story for them. 1245, I was just uh, returned from Manhattan at the 101st Kansas Farm Bureau annual meeting. I talked with their president, Rich Feltz. We get a recap of the policy they're going to be following closely in 2020, a recap of his thoughts on annual meeting uh, and what he hopes for 2020. And then at 117, the Cattlemen's Convention getting underway, Nebraska Cattlemen's in Kearney. So we'll hear from Shaley Peters. She's got the latest on how things are kicking off there.
0: All right, very good. Uh I think I we might have got Susan late. Susan, are you still there? No, nope, we didn't. We, we, I thought. I thought there was a moment. Thanks, Clay. Go run over to the other. I'm gonna room, go okay, I'm yeah, I'm gonna yeah, get my go, ca- cardio go in that. for the day. <laughs> All right. We got Jason Jorgensen in here too. Speaking of cardio, the uh UNK women volleyball team, man, they've played well. They're gonna try to get it going in
2: the postseason. That's right. Tonight they will open up at seven thirty against Oklahoma Baptist. Oklahoma Baptist is the team that came the closest to beating the Lopers during the regular season way back at the first weekend of the year. Tonight's match begins at 7.30. Of course, if you can't make it out, we hope to see the place filled, but if Mm -hmm. you can't make it out, we'll have the match over on 93.1 The River and on the River app. Also, uh, we'll talk some Husker basketball. What a cool night last night for the Pride Amendment. Mm -hmm. Taylor Kissinger knocked down six three-pointers and had 19 points to help the Husker women to a pretty substantial victory, as they were able to hold off Duke by four. Huskers are eight and one on the year. Nice start for Amy Williams and that bunch.
0: Play after a, after a bad start last year, she's turned it around.
2: Yeah, so they've uh, they've done some nice things, and of course, uh, when you hit twelve three pointers in a game as a team as they did, you probably hope to win,
0: which would be the opposite of what uh, Nebraska. Ah, uh, uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> Fred Hoiberg's bunch. Uh, the road was unkind that night <laughs> in Atlanta as they were beaten by. Georgia Tech, they they have a lot of things to work on, and they will have to play much better on Saturday. Otherwise, they'll be embarrassed in Omaha by Creighton.
0: Yeah, this isn't uh, not a good Georgia Tech team. Really. Mm, I didn't like think it. so by oh, watching so
3: it, but honking.
0: what do I know? Well, alright. Well, right. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. Who's got some stock news for us? Everything down a little bit right now.
3: Stocks are edging lower in midday trading. Investors waiting for the latest news on negotiations to end the trade war between the U.S. and China. The losses today came a day after the market rose on a report that Washington and Beijing could be on track for a trade deal before new U.S. tariffs kick in on December 15th. Meanwhile, the uh, countries that make up the OPEC oil-producing cartel are meeting today to decide what to do about their production, whether to uh, cut it or um, which would push up the prices of fuel and energy around the world. So those are a few of the things that are taking place.
0: All right. That's all coming up on Mid- Time for us to take a look at our 880 Weather Watch, uh, how it's how weather is affecting us in agriculture far all around the world. And uh, we've got Paul Perkins coming in here with us and, you know, uh, it feels like this time of year Let's exactly a little
4: more seasonal today not uh, getting spoiled today by the nice weather that we had yesterday right. but it looks like we will get some spoiling temperatures as we head towards the weekend once again but gonna have to deal with some more december-like weather for a few days i yeah,
0: i guess you know we got to pay for it you got this time of year if you want a nice day you're gonna have to pay for it with a couple bad
4: days. exactly you betcha <laughs> right now we have most of our temperatures on into the low and mid 40s across the area A few locations still at 38, uh, like in the Ord area, and also 37 in Valentine. Some upper 20s as you head towards the northern half of the Nebraska Panhandle. But in advance of this cold front, we do have temperatures soaring up to about 50 on into east central areas of Nebraska. Aurora at 51. It's 48 in York and also 50 in Hebron also some upper 40s to low 50s in much of eastern Nebraska and Kansas. Cooler today, but seas don't behind the passage of this weak cold front that's moving through the region. About all it's going to do is switch our winds around to the north and northwest. Cloud cover, though, on the increase thanks to some low pressure that's tracking across Oklahoma, and we may be seeing a few snow flurries over southwestern areas of Nebraska, south of Ogallala to about the Sydney area, but a little more better chance of seeing some snow from Cheyenne on over to Denver and central areas of Colorado. Otherwise, tomorrow will be even cooler, but we will see decreasing cloud cover as high pressure starts to track from the Dakotas to Wisconsin with a reinforcing shot of colder air. Temperatures over the weekend will be warmer than normal once again in the 40s and 50s. In behind the warm front, the tracks to the east our winds on Saturday, though, may be a bit on the breezy side out of the south, just ahead of a trough of low pressure. Those winds will turn more to the northwest and be lighter behind that trough's passage on Sunday, so Sunday may be the better day. Colder than the normal temperatures return for early next week behind a strong cold front. Could see some light still with a moisture-starved disturbance. The best chances of seeing some light snow to the north of Nebraska, closer to an area of low pressure. More pushes of cold air for Tuesday and Wednesday night into Thursday. We'll keep our daytime highs for much of early next week in the 30s. There is low confidence with the forecast models right now for additional light snow chances for Tuesday and Tuesday night. Overall, the next seven days looking pretty dry. There are some changes once again in the long-term forecast, but for the better this time. Seasonal to slightly cooler than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska and Kansas. The early half of next week, that better chance of cold to air over eastern areas of Nebraska and Kansas. Late next week through December 18th, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures more likely to be seasonal to slightly warmer than normal. Above-normal precipitation continues to be a constant and remains likely in Nebraska and Kansas and actually much of the nation Tuesday through the 18th. In the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska remains 98% drought-free. That abnormal dryness continues in the southwest from Hitchcock east to Furnace County. Kansas is getting drier and dropped 2 percentage points to 52% drought-free. Most of west... And south central Kansas experiencing abnormal dryness to a moderate drought, but there is severe to extreme drought in the southwest part of Kansas from Finney County to the southwest corner. Key weather factors affecting the markets include a mainly dry period in the Midwest, a much colder outlook for the next week in the Plains and Midwest, and varying amounts of rain expected for South America. In the west and north Midwest, drier weather will allow some late harvest progress where there's no snow cover. But wet conditions remain in some Midwest locations that received rain and will delay their remaining harvest. Some corn may be left in the Midwest until spring and remaining soybeans may be lost. For snow-covered areas in the northern plains, little harvest of corn or soybeans is expected this week. Article this weekend and much of next week will lead to stress for livestock. Brazil conditions favor developing soybeans after beneficial rain last week and more this week. Warmer and drier weather in northeast Brazil will continue to affect the soybean planting and development. Most of Argentina's conditions favor planting and early development of corn and soybeans. A drying trend in the next seven days will need to be watched since some Argentine locations have not received a whole lot of rain recently.
0: All right. Well, it's uh, like I said, it's it's okay this time of year. We're going to at least the sun's going to be shining for so if you have that seasonal uh, affective disorder, <laughs> <laughs> at least the last couple days will be good. Exactly. Yeah.
4: It'll yeah. Because nice. yeah, that's that's like, you know yeah that's something that, yeah it usually does get you like that cloud yep. cover and then you see right. the cold and it's just ah it's just gloomy all right. around here. Right. So
0: <laughs> at least it looks nice. It might not be all that horribly warm, but at least look nice. And again, this weekend will be nice. Get those Christmas trees up. Mm-hmm. Go cut that uh, Christmas uh, Christmas tree out from somewhere.
4: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Finish up what those projects you may need to get done. All
0: right. Thank you very much, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather?
4: The Weather Tap, krvn.com.
5: entrepreneurship journey celebrating success embracing failure and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you
6: for my job to watch students go from point a to point b and to watch that growth best job on campus
5: thanks so much for joining on today's angler journey we're going to travel with one of the professors in the program dave lamb dave is the angler chief learning officer but he started teaching entrepreneurship before angler got started
6: There was um, a call from our faculty in the Department of Agronomy and Horticulture who wanted someone to teach entrepreneurship. So I went back to school and got uh, a master's degree, an MBA, and also started the business at the same time that I finished my MBA, so that I could teach entrepreneurship. And I started the business from scratch on purpose because I didn't wanna get up in front of a group of students and say, this is how you start a business. And I've never done it.
5: And because of that experience, he now teaches a variety of courses in the Angler program.
6: I've got um, a couple courses that I teach 388, what's called 388, which is sort of a customer discovery course. And then 488, which is a business plan writing course. Um, But in addition to that, we do this um, modules I've been kind of experimenting with different modules to see which ones work. My most current one is called CEO School. So it's an opportunity to learn what it's like to be the head of a company. And then we're going to do a lot of, like, have bring CEOs in. But what I really want to do is figure out, like, who do CEOs need to know? So I want students uh. to know who they need to know.
5: Dave says that one of the unique aspects of the Angler program is that the staff learns alongside the students.
6: It is my joy to work with students. I think we all feel the same way. All the staff feels the same way. The the students are the centerpiece of what we do. I mean, like, we all don't know all the answers. Like, we just are working together to try to figure out what are the next things that we need to know and what are the things that we do. We make tons of mistakes as staff. We know that, but we want to just test things out and try them also. You know, we're just we're just all humans working together.
5: Throughout Dave's time as a professor, he's realized that even though he has an impact on the students, they've helped him become a better coach.
6: I really believe listening is the key to great coaching. It's the way that you process information that somebody's giving you and then try to figure out, like, how can I help this person the best with what they're just saying to me right now? And so instead of, like, me going off and doing my own thing and and saying, you need to have this and you need to have this, and, you know, it's more like, well, what's the next step? Like, what do you see as the next step?
5: And as an entrepreneurship coach, Dave helps his students become their own version of an entrepreneur. If
6: you think about the identi- uh, definition of it is, it's like looking for opportunities or solving problems in whatever situation you're in. So that's what it really boils down to is can you figure out how to solve a problem? And how do you do that? What are the steps mm-hmm. that you take to do that? And once you get that down, like the process down of what how that works, it works for other things. It's like it doesn't matter what you're working on. It will help you solve problems.
5: You can learn more about Dave Lamb and the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network.
0: It is time for us to check out sports, see what's going on. Jason Jorgensen in here with us again on this Thursday. And... uh, well, I tell you, we were talking off Mike a little bit about this UNK volleyball team and how good they've been this year and the people they've beat. This is a this is a special team coach Squires has.
2: It's been a great year, but for them to get to the next level, they got to find a way to yep get over this speed bump that this program has had since they joined the MIAA and started playing in a different NCAA regional. When the Lopers were in the RMAC, the RMAC went to a different regional. But gotcha. for all of the wins that UNK has had, they've not won in the tournament since 2010. So that's the big thing they're facing tonight. Three lopers and head coach Rick Squires were recently honored by the American Volleyball Coaches Association. Senior outside Julianne Jackson, junior middle Anna Squires, and junior center Maddie Squires made the All-Central Regional team with Coach Rick Squires being tabbed as Regional Coach of the Year. Now UNK is the top seed in the regional that begins today. They'll host Oklahoma Baptist tonight at 7.30. Of course, that's a match we will bring you on 93.1 The River. The other matches have already started. Concordia-St. Paul is taking on Washburn at this time. Minnesota-Duluth plays Central Missouri at 2.30, and then tonight it's Northern State against St. Cloud State at 5. The Concordia volleyball team, they continue to play well at the NAIA National Tournament. Last night they beat St. Mary of Kansas in three sets. Concordia will play again today. You could say the Husker man blew a tire on their first road trip of the year, losing last night at Georgia Tech. 73-56. Hanif Cheatham really was the only bright spot for the Huskers. 14 points, 11 rebounds. The thing that surprises me the most about watching them is their inability to hit free throws. Man, We were told this was a bunch of recruits that could fill it up and could shoot the ball and... They struggle from that stripe that's 15 feet from the bucket, Uh, and you will need to play much better as uh, they'll play at Creighton on Saturday. It was raining threes last night for the Husker women as they buried a season-high 12 three-pointers, including a career-high tying six from Taylor Kissinger of Minden. As the Huskers shot their way to an 83-79 win over Duke in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, Kissinger matched her career best with six threes by going six of nine from downtown with a team-high 19 points, and she talks about her big night.
5: I mean, it's fun. It was a great game. I had so much fun playing that game. Like, playing an ACC team, that's huge. Like, that was a huge win. They're tall, athletic. It's getting us prepared to play in the Big Ten games coming up, so it was just big.
2: We want to start Premier williams bunch one on the year that's a nice win last night yeah that's a that's a big win
0: and you and i watched taylor kissinger just tear it up for years in high school good to see her doing yeah, when that.
2: she played when, when she wasn't hurt like she said well, last night you know they asked her about her injury situation and she said i missed 27 games in high school that's true and she's had some you know she's missed some games also uh this year with the huskers and in the past but hopefully she's healthy and Stroking down threes the rest of the year. And the winter sports season begins tonight for high school sports. The Lexington boys are poised to have another big year after they went 15-10 and 10 a year ago. And head coach Zach Jones says they have big goals. The expectations are really high that uh, they set for themselves,
7: really, and, and the coaches, I think, have for, for the team as well. Uh, we feel like uh, with bringing our three top scores back and, and uh, a lot of uh, good depth um, coming up that maybe haven't had a lot of varsity experience but played a lot of basketball together,
2: uh, that we can we can be really competitive. The big three for the Minutemen are Dylan Richmond, Nick Size, and Caleb Carpenter. They'll begin the year ranked in the top ten in Class B by the Omaha World Herald. They'll start things off tonight at Gothenburg. We'll bring you that girls and boys doubleheader here on 880 KRVN on Cami Country Legends. Kozad begins the year at home against Chase Counties. Well, Best of luck to all of the teams that either start their season tonight. Or tomorrow night. It should be fun. It's good to get
0: that season going. It's a long season. Yeah. Basketball season goes on forever, but it, it is
2: fun. All right. For more, find it anytime at any time, krvn.com.
0: All right. Thanks, Jason.
5: You see her. She's putting up hay, pulling calves, or helping lead within organizations. She's a woman involved in agriculture, and we want to recognize her. Now through December 31st, the Rural Radio Network is taking nominations for your favorite women in agriculture to feature throughout the month of January. Help share the impact these women have had on you and your community by sending us her story. You can find more information on how to nominate at krvn.com.
0: Well, time for us to get it going with some news here at the bottom of the hour. And Austin Jacobson, just the man to do it. How are you, sir?
8: I'm doing great. How are you, Scott? Well, inform us, will you please? Yeah, absolutely. Well, 11 members of the Nebraska Army National Guard Cyber Protection Team are heading to Washington, D.C. to join Guard members from other states for the U.S. Cyber Command. Commanding Officer Major Greg Vase was at Tuesday's send-off. These 11 soldiers stand ready. 11
1: soldiers ready for any adversary or to counter any threat on a new and complex battlefield in cyberspace.
8: The team was formed just two years ago. The soldiers can't specifically talk about their mission, but they will be in the nation's capital during the 2020 elections. Authorities have been notified about an inmate missing from the Community corrections Center in Omaha. 48-year-old Shelton Fills left the facility at around 6 p.m. on Wednesday. He removed the electronic monitoring device he was wearing, which was recovered in Carter Lake, Iowa. Fills is serving an eight-year sentence out of Douglas County on weapons charges, resisting arrest, and making terroristic threats. His sentence on October 5th, 2012 and he is tentatively scheduled for release on January 9th, 2020. Phils is an African-American male, 6 feet tall, 230 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. The Community Correction Center is one of two community custody facilities operated by the Nebraska Department of Correction Services. Community custody is the lowest custody level and the least restrictive facility. Inmates are allowed to participate in work opportunities, attend school and religious services with prior approval and without direct supervision. Anyone with information about Phil's whereabouts is asked to contact local authorities or the Nebraska State Patrol. Police have arrested three suspects in connection with Omaha's latest homicide. Omaha police said Wednesday they had arrested 19-year-old Davian Wallace and 19-year-old Daniel Cameron Link on suspicion of criminal homicide in connection with Dustin Mohang's death. 18-year-old Caleb Blott was arrested on suspicion of being an accessory to a felony. Police said Mohang's body was found in a yard in the mill mill miller neighborhood on monday morning few details have been released about the 21-year-old mowing's death but police said they were treating it as a homicide whether the u.s. mexico canada agreement will be approved this year is still in question house democrats say they're nearing an agreement but senator chuck grassley of iowa chairman of the senate finance committee says they're running out of time senate republicans including senator ben sass took to the senate floor yesterday to tout the agreement and called on house democrats to hold a vote by
4: needlessly stonewalling the USMCA trade agreement, Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats are taking Nebraska agriculture hostage. This is petty, stupid politics at its worst. The USMCA trade deal is free, it's a free trade win for our farmers and ranchers, and they desperately need this win right now.
8: And Iowa Senator Joni Ernst noted that the deal has been pending for more than a year, representing an entire cycle of planting and harvesting for those in the fields, and she has also urged the House to vote. That's your news at 1230 there, Scott.
0: I should turn my mic on. Thank you, Austin. <laughs> no <problem. laughs> All right.
1: Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we start to come to the end of the 101st Kansas Farm Bureau Annual Meeting in Manhattan, Kansas. And I get to talk with the top dog of Kansas Farm Bureau. That is President Rich Feltz. And Rich, today was the business meeting. You've got to see a lot of good people come into the organization, whether they be on the board, vote from FBF, a lot of parts of that. But I want to talk about the policy going into twenty twenty, what Kansas Farm Bureau is looking at. And I think top of the list was a big revision on conservation easements. Kinda talk to us about what you're looking for and what you hope
9: to accomplish. Conservation easements and and, and there's a place for conservation easements and and we don't want to deny that i think one of our challenges with conservation easements and we've had a couple issues here around the state that have kind of brought this to the forefront but when when we do a conservation easement uh we look at us we're stewards of the land for the long term when we do conservation easements a lot of those easements we're making a commitment for eternity and and we're really concerned about the impact that that can have even in the conservation sense some issues that that brings about
1: another policy that you guys are looking at and it's always been the policy to support ag education inside the classroom for all the Kansas students but you'd like to see maybe a little bit of a stronger effort going in there what does Kansas Farm Bureau want to see put forth is would it be funds allocated towards agricultural
9: education or curriculum a lot of the above, but I think one of the most important things is we're looking at the opportunities to how we can expand ag education, particularly amongst our youth. As we get into a culture that uh, is, is less rural all the time, and we've got, irregardless of the state that you're in, the size of your state, we've got so many of these young people that have no idea of where their food comes, the value of the food, how it's produced. We just feel like we can have a more efficient delivery system than we've got. Kind of early, but we've got some things in the discussion stage that we're looking into is how we can enhance that, include more and more people into that process, our commodity groups, our ag organizations, some of our agribusinesses that might not be directly involved in food processing, but they're there as agribusiness people. One of the third highlights I saw, and we'll keep it along the lines of ag education, is
1: again addressing the rural vet shortage we see not only in Kansas, but really across the country. Do we hope to see a quick return on that, or do you think this is slow building, getting more people towards large animal veterinarian and veterinary medicine in general?
9: talk about slow and i think the attrition away from country vets has been kind of slow but gradual as time's gone on but as as time goes on and and we look out there and see the number of these country vets sort of that are retiring uh and there's not as much desire for the individuals to go back into some of these rural areas and most of those rural areas it's large animal vets it's not those that'll be shared practices and, and have a lot of revenue from the small animal or pet industry so our efforts are to do what we can to encourage rural vets but in the discussions that we had around the state though i think we went beyond just rural vets rural doc rural the lag instructors any of those professional jobs are being challenged coming back to a lot of our rural communities and when we say rural i mean real rural Let's talk about the annual
1: meeting in itself. A great turnout, a good deal. And it was really a time, 2019 has had its challenges for the ag industry, but it was a time for people to come together, rejoice, relax, and, and kind of enjoy the fellowship
9: of it. What did you take from annual meeting? I took it that. It was almost a big party, I think, for a lot of people because this year has been so challenging, as you said, and at one time they asked, or a show of hands for Who wasn't finished with harvest? And thank goodness there were only a couple hands went up. But quite an accomplishment this year that we're finally done. Harvest may not have been as great as everybody anticipated when they put the crop in the ground, but that's always the case, it seems like. But here, getting everybody to come together across the straight, compare, well, we're too dry, we're too wet, those kind of things, that's always great for our ag community to come together and share what they're doing in their livelihood. As we start to
1: flip the calendar into 2020, it's, it's on the horizon. What do you see as direction for the organization and what do you hope to accomplish in 2020?
9: One of our big issues in Kansas is broadband deployment. We've worked diligently on that. According to the data, we have about 30% of our area in the state of Kansas is not covered with broadband. And, and we just feel like in the era when technology is becoming so important that we've got to improve that and have more broadband. So that's going to be one of the issues. As always, we close eye on water issues and what's what's developing there. When we go to the federal level, I don't think there's any question right now is, remember, we had a farm bill that we got passed, and, and people are now getting ready to participate in that, but that's, that's old history anymore. But it's the discussion around trade and tariffs is just sucking all the oxygen out of the room, and, and we're ready to see some action in those those areas as well. Environmental regulations, renewable fuels is, is getting a lot of attention, and ethanol, we continue to want that. Immigration is a major issue, I think, to a lot of agriculture. A lot of attention has to be paid there as well. A lot of things to
1: address, but Farm Bureau, and Kansas Farm Bureau in particular, are able to get it done and throw a lot of support at it. Rich, we appreciate the time today. Anything you think we've overlooked or final thoughts, closing comments for us as we
9: round out the 101st Annual Meeting? I think the thing we've overlooked is, uh, you know, in my talk the other night, I said commodity prices less than adequate so if we can if we can do something to improve part of that i think it would help everybody a lot looking forward to the next year and as as ag people in production ag especially we're eternal optimists, and uh, next year will be better
1: kansas farm bureau president rich Feld this kansas farm bureau in the 101st annual meeting in manhattan i'm clay Patton on the rural radio network
0: Time for us to check in with our midday business report, and uh, we'll see. I have a feeling that uh, Bob Brogan will call stocks wobbly today. But we'll we'll wait and see. First of all, in the world markets, in the Asian market, the Japanese Nikkei was recovered after a bad day yesterday. They're up 168 points. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong up 144. The European market's down after the G7. London's FTSE was down 50. The German DAX index down 85. Here in the United States, as we mentioned, stocks kind of up and down right now. Nothing real great to talk about. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 10. The NASDAQ is down 4 points. And the S&P, oh, pretty much uh, even par right now. Bob Brogan, wobbly?
3: Stocks edged lower. They were wobbling and wavering. Thank you. Wobbling and wavering. Nice. So try to figure out what the difference is between wobbling and wavering.
0: Waxing and waning, kind of one of
3: those things. You could be spending a while trying to figure that out. But uh, investors are waiting for some news about negotiations to end the trade war between the U.S. and China. The losses came a day after the market rose on a report that Washington and Beijing could be on track for a trade deal before new U.S. tariffs kick in on December 15th. Healthcare stocks had some of the biggest losses... Alexion Pharmaceuticals fell 6%, retailers also fell, Home Depot lost 1%. The U.S. trade deficit narrowed in October as imports fell faster than exports, the politically sensitive trade gap with China dropped, the Commerce Department says the gap between what America sells and what it buys abroad dropped 7.6% to $472 billion in October. The countries that make up the OPEC oil-producing cartel are meeting today to decide whether to cut down on their production and push up prices of fuel and energy around the world. The group is expected to prolong production cuts they've agreed on for the past three years, though some experts believe they could deepen them further to support prices. We'll stay tuned and see what happens. The Justice Department has unsealed charges against two Russian men in what authorities say is one of the worst computer hacking and bank fraud schemes of the past decade. The men are charged in a 10-count indictment filed in federal court in Pittsburgh. The charges relate to the creation of malware made to automate the theft of personal and banking information. The charges include conspiracy, computer hacking, wire fraud, and bank fraud. The men are accused of targeting two banks, a school district, and four companies in Pennsylvania. And guess what? Those men have not been arrested and their whereabouts are unknown. Let's just say that they probably are going to remain unknown and uh, their whereabouts are going to be unknown for a while. Also, the Eiffel Tower is shut down. France's vaunted high-speed trains are at a standstill and teachers have walked off the job as unions have launched nationwide strikes and protests over the French government's plan to overhaul the retirement system and that's uh that's what's going on it going on in business today.
0: All right. Very good. Bob way to keep us informed. We thank you for that. Uh the oil prices are up just a little bit right now, fourteen percent I I should say fourteen hundredths of a percent, fifty eight dollars a barrel right now. Blake
1: Patton on the World Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, a lackluster close, not a lot of excitement here, but soybeans still ending more towards the middle of their range, but up on the green on the day. Do we see this possibly continuing through the overnight trade?
7: Oh, I don't know. I think $9, November, or $9 March contract probably will hold us here, although I have to be impressed. And uh, for all you guys who are waiting to buy the dip, I mean, we've already seen now 20 cents Pass from high to low so or from low to high so um, you know I think you got to be careful here to chase at this price I think there's going to be sellers coming in uh... rumors are that there was a large Argentinian crusher that is going under so they had to lift a lot of soymeal hedges and I think that that makes sense to us here there's just a lot of spreading off of corn and, and wheat and really didn't make a lot of sense to us but um, I, I think you know, I think we bottomed in the near term, but I don't know if I'd chase this up here. Um, it's just too much risk. I think having it fall back into the 870s where you'd want to be buying it if you're long, Jan.
1: When we look over at corn and wheat, and they both seem to be the short side of the spreads definitely today. Kansas City wheat, in particular, here at the close, really taking a little bit more of a chunk of selling. It tried to gain on Chicago early on in the day, but that spread still in, in effect.
7: Yeah, it is. And you know, you think that I would switch at some point, but it's. You know, I think everybody's trying to chase that, thinking that we're going to see a, a regression at some point, but there's a story in Chicago there is a bull story when it comes to planning there's a bullish story when it comes to yield from last year uh um, It doesn't exist in Kansas City in fact, I've heard seed shortages in in the southern part of Texas just through the fact that that many people are wanting to plant so i'm I'm a little bit cautious that uh you know, I think we're through delivery, and the markets did well. Uh, the the global prices continue to itch up, so I don't think I'd be flushing this on breaks. But, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see this thing run back down into the low 420s and kind of bounce around for a while, especially if things would get negative with trade.
1: Have the early estimates out for next Tuesday's WASD in the stockpiles, and quite a drastic drop we've seen in corn-ending stockpiles. What does Daniel Zag marketing take there?
7: <sighs> I mean, I'd like to be bullish. You know, and a lot of it's based off of what's going to be grown this next year. I think there's a time to want to own corn if you're going to own it over the long run. This is a great time. I think this, this price level is going to hold up, especially as we get into the summer. But just in the near term, you know, the market isn't feeling any shortfall at all. Ethanol margins are sketchy at best. You know, feed margins are great, but you just don't have that export story, which was reiterated this morning. We only moved 500,000 metric tons. It was holiday week uh, a week ago, but still, we need to be moving a million and a half. You know, so we're, we're close to 50, 60 million bushels light per week, in my opinion, uh, from where we need to be. And uh, I don't see that changing enough in the short run. I think we will get business down the road, but it's, it's just not enough here to get things moving.
1: John Payne, Daniel Zag Marketing. Do you remember futures trading involves risk of loss and may not be suitable to all
0: investors? Well, that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com. Sponsored by Davani Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick
1: from Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a DaVinny deal.